Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, welcome everyone to the Talk and Power podcast. I'm down here with Todd Brinkworth. We are at, now let me get this right, the Georgiana Malloy Anglican School for the Southwest Indoor Motor Show. I got it. Did pretty good, eh? Yeah, that's not bad. We did pretty well. Hey, Todd, tell us, I mean, yeah, we're about to get around and and have a chat with a whole lot of people here. It's an absolutely magnificent show. Some really high-quality cars. I've I've queued you up. I said, said, you've got to stand. We've got to stand here because this is, I shouldn't say it, but my favourite car of the event. We're going to have a chat with the owner of this car. Amazing car a bit later on, but what what an amazing show. And it's a bit of a a jewel in uh, in the crown, I guess you would say. Yeah, it is. I mean, I was down here a couple of years ago, and, um... Yeah, draws a huge crowd, lots of quality cars, lots of people make the trip down from Perth, cars and spectators, and it's just great. I mean, Clint and Hold On Promotions does an awesome job with this thing. Um, yeah, I mean, it's part of the reason you and I are standing here today as well, to have a look around, see some cool cars, meet some cool people. What more do you want? I mean, it's on your doorstep, people. It's on the doorstep of probably, I don't like saying this, but probably the most beautiful part of Australia... Western Australia, certainly. Yeah. It is magnificent right on the doorstep. Lots of accommodation around. So it's a really great event and uh, one we hope to see grow over the years to come. And as I said, we catch up with a few people and um, I'm really looking forward to spending the day out here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, sort of having a quick look already, there's a few cars that have caught my eye and a few characters. So there's going to be some good stories coming out of this today. And uh, yeah, stay tuned, I guess. All right, Todd, well, look, thanks for making the trek down here and being the cameraman today as well. We really appreciate it. I know you've got a busy day today. You've also got an event on tonight as well. Yeah, um, that's right. And um, I've got to work the 9 to 5 Monday to Friday job in between somewhere today as well. So even though it's a sad day. So, yeah, it happens. Look. <laughs> anyway, so it's okay. You're only two and a half hours away from home. So Yeah, <laughs> laptop's in the car. <laughs> All right, Todd, look, uh, we'll get around and uh, we'll catch up with everyone. Uh, thanks for heading down here as well. No worries. Thanks, Nick. All right, I'm here with Joe. Joe, thanks for joining us on the podcast. You know, if you look up in the dictionary, Pro Street, I reckon there's a picture of this thing right behind us. <laughs> well, my dream car for many, many years, is blown 68 Camaro. And I've dreamt this for a very long time. And that's, that's, that was my goal. Um, two and a half years in a build. I only just finished it for about two months ago. Uh, 90% of it is my own build, doing my own fabrication. Like I have all my own hoist, uh, tools, whatever. So, but it's part-time between business, work, play around with the car, couple hours there, couple hours here. Um, and uh, yeah. probably about 1,200 hours in yeah. total yeah. to build. Um, so it's always been a unique, something unique to me, my own build. Yeah. Yeah, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, 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 no. You know, so I might have, no, well, I could have maybe made the same thing over five or six times until I was satisfied. But, yeah. you know, the performance, reliability, um, um, uh, the 
way it looks too, you know, so I have more ideas. Yeah. So yeah. I just continually, you know, keep doing that. But Joe, tell me, you know, you're you're probably the same age as me. We're a bit old school. Yeah. Grew up in the 80s. We got pretty our much. love from pretty cars much. in the 80s. Pretty much. Pretty much. You go get an old Street Machine magazine out and yeah. this brings back... Back memories. Those memories mm. of, of, you know, even performance. What yes. was it? Performance Street yes. Car magazine yes. as well. My first car was a HQ Monaro. Um, so I'd be building cars and bikes, I don't know, from a very young age, self-taught everything too. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm someone with a, uh, attention to detail very much. Um, there'd be things there where the, you, you'd be happy with, but I know that I wouldn't. Yeah. So I'll change it all and, and to my satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. Mm. When I look at it, like twin carbies... Uh, on a eight seventy one or two eight fifties. Okay, yeah, on, on eight seventy one blower. Eight seventy one, yeah, yeah. With a yeah, five forty Dart, Brodex heads, so it's just over a thousand three wheels. Beautiful car, and like I said, it, it brings back. But there's some, there's you, as you said before, you've brought in your own ideas, ideas as well, pretty much. So, so there is a bit of modern in it as well. Like you look inside, yeah, and there's a yeah, fair bit of modern yeah, to it. Yeah, and also you know old school, but still modern technology, yeah, so to yeah. speak. I mean the the engine bay, the flat firewall, all mm, those sorts mm, of things mm. as well. They weren't that all that prominent back in the no, day, but nowadays no. it is. So yeah. it's a mix of both, yeah, and I, I really find, it's trying to find those lines, you know, um, um, like neaten it all up, just um, flatten it all, you know. Like uh, I don't know if you know, like a six-day command, like all this fender now, it's all one piece. We used to be that cone shape down here to be bolted together. Well, as you can see, it's all been welded, yeah. Yeah. so it's all one, you know, same as all the the front um, or the grill that's all one piece yeah there's yeah. three grills into one there yeah yeah so i'd uh, fabricate it all you said two and a half years that's pretty quick for a car of this quality yeah pretty much when i'm a i'm a door yeah yeah if I say i'm going to do something i'll do it and i'll stick to it yeah yeah lots of overnight it's two o'clock three o'clock in the morning <laughs> i enjoy it. it's my yeah. passion yeah. i love it i like building and making stuff but that comes from a supportive family mm. as well, I mm. guess, and yeah. you know, and having yeah. the time to do it as well. So, yeah. look, yeah. Uh, uh, congratulations on the car. I did yeah. see it at Motivation. I didn't get a chance to catch up with you there. You're pretty busy, but uh, I'm glad that we came down here yeah, just thanks. just to see the car yeah, in the another, flesh and up close. Yeah, another question is, since then to now, I've changed. I changed some more. Okay, <laughs> I changed the headers on it. Do you remember that had that um, checkered plate there? So yes, now it's just yeah, all flat, yeah. plain. Yeah, okay. So I've changed that. I still change a few more little things to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we'll get some photos and we'll put it up on our Facebook yeah. page and on our YouTube channel as well. But Joe, thanks for joining no, us welcome. today, and thanks for making the trek yeah. down here as well. Yeah. I know it's I, a it's I a big effort. It. Yeah, I enjoy and uh, people's work and stuff. Yeah, no, no, appreciate your time. No, All right, Joe. Thanks for that. Take care. Okay, I'm here with Wayne Waller. Wayne, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we're standing right in front of your 32 coupe, three window. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, so I built it myself. Um, I did all the paint myself in my shed. Uh, I've got five acres of bush up in the in the hills of Mandalina, and um, I wanted to prove to myself I could actually build a hot rod. So uh, I didn't have the money to go and buy one, but I had the money to build it myself. So, um, yeah, so I painted it myself, um, did all the upholstery myself, learned on eBay. But not on eBay, on, on um, YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. You know when you said you painted it yourself, I wasn't surprised, because only like 30 seconds before you said you're a cameraman for 26 years. Yeah. And cameramen have an eye for detail. So it does not surprise me that you painted this. It is an absolutely magnificent paint job. How how long, so the the entire build, how long did it take from start to finish? 
So it was a very quick build. Um, I had the money and I had the time. So sometimes you're you know, time poor or money poor. I, had, I was lucky to have both. I had money, money and the time. So it took me 12 months to build it. Wow. So it was a very quick build. Um, and then unfortunately, well not unfortunately, but my wife decided that it needed to go into a hot rod show to debut it. So it, sit around, it sat around and not get driven for five months or four, four or five months before it went into the hot rod show. And uh, it took out second best hot rod coupe. So that was very cool. Certainly, that is. Uh, now you're talking about the WA, the WA yeah, yeah. Well, now that's the the pinnacle in Western Australia. For those listeners that are listening outside of Western Australia or over overseas somewhere, that is the pinnacle of Western Australian hot rod shows. And really, you'd say probably the pinnacle of, of some of the car the car shows in Western Australia these days. It is, yeah, it is. And we were lucky enough to to get invited to go to Motor Action Sydney um, in 2017, I think it was. So I built a car trailer. And we chucked on the back of the, the Prada, and when we towed it across to Sydney and put it on display in Sydney, amongst some of the you know, you know Australia's best cars, and and that for us was a huge thing because for somebody that built it in the backyard for you know a, a pittance amount of money um, to have it to, on, on display at Motor X in Sydney was just a, a huge thing for us. So we really enjoyed it. Do you think Wayne, that's the essence of building cars these days? We're seeing a focus. We saw. In the 80s and the 70s, guys building their cars themselves. Then probably in the 2000s, we saw a trend away from that where guys were uh, outsourcing the build of their car to, to other third-party companies. Do you think it's coming back? Because like a few people we've spoken to here today have taken on the build themselves, even Joe over there with the Camaro. Yes. Do you think it's certainly coming back that way, isn't it? I think it is. I think that you, for me in particular, I wanted to prove to myself that I could do just about everything myself. Um, down to all the wiring, you know, helping helping build the engine, um, upholstery, um, and you know when you when you look upholstery, I, I was quoted eight thousand dollars to do the upholstery. It cost me eight hundred dollars, so it's a big difference. So I think that that in itself is a good reason to start doing it yourself. Obviously, you don't have to build a car that's a, a quality car like a, a, a show car, um, but. You know, it's they've got to be driven, so it doesn't matter what what quality it is. You've got to drive them, and and this thing's done nearly forty thousand k's in four years, so it's it's it gets driven. Yeah, well, you you just mentioned before you actually drove it down here, so from Perth, Bustleton, for those that are listening, it's roughly two hundred and thirty, two hundred and twenty kilometres. So that that's that's a decent drive. Yeah, and then we're up in the hills, so add another hour to that. Oh, so yeah, there you go. Yeah, so it's about a three and a half hour drive for us, and um, with a couple of stops, um, it's. It's it's a go kart on wheels. It's it's rough on the roads, but look, it's beautiful. I love it. My wife loves it, and that's for those listeners out there. If you get your wife on board, it's one of the best things in the world. Because if if your wife's on board and she loves it as much, it makes the the sport so much more enjoyable for yourself. Can I ask a question? Mm. The aircon was that a deal breaker in yeah. getting the wife on board? We drove it around for about three years, and we were drenched every time we drove it. Because you drive it in summer, you don't drive it much in winter. And it was last year, I had some spare cash, and I thought, I reckon I could put this air conditioner in for about $1,200. And I did it for $1,200, and it is just awesome. You know, it's cold now, and you wind the windows up, and you don't sweat. I was just going to say, because, you know, the way you've mounted that, that compressor there is very subtle, very subtle. And, I mean, a compressor's a compressor, but I, it caught my eye, but... Because I look for those sort of things, but you've done it subtly. But and I'm looking inside as well, even the the vents as well. Quite subtle, blends in with everything, and that's amazing for twelve hundred dollars. 
Yeah, so I, and because you can, you know, I, I piped it on myself. So I crimped all the ends. I, I wired it myself. Um, the only thing, that, the only thing I did get done was the was the gassing, um, and I had one small little leak. The guy helped me fix that, and that was fine. But yeah, the the brackets for the the compressor I bought off the shelf brackets, and of course, the three hundred dollar brackets I bought didn't fit. They, did, they looked terrible. It wouldn't fit. It looked horrible. So I thought, make them, make them. So come winter, I'll pull them off now, and I'll chrome paper and I'll put them back on. They look smacko, but at the moment they're a bit sort of ugly because they're blackened. You know, just steel, but I will chrome play them and put them back on and they'll look schmicko again. Oh, oh, for those listening on the radio station, I urge you to go back to our YouTube channel and watch the video of this car. We've got some uh, uh, video footage of the vehicle and, you, and I'll, you'll see that, the mountain of that aircon and how subtle it is and, and it just looks magnificent. Um, little small block Chev up front as well. Yep, just a small block Chev, just a little cam, um, nothing crazy. It, as I said before, it's, it's a go-kart. Um, so I think if I had a blown engine, which I can have on, on this car, I can put a blown engine on it, I think that I would go crazy and probably uh, wrap it around a tree. So just a little small block. It's quick enough. It's scary enough if I want to be scary enough. And it's, and it's a nice little driver. So, yeah, it's a good little car. Hey, Wayne, look, thanks for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it and appreciate your time. And, look, thanks for bringing the car down here as well. I'm sure everyone in the local area enjoys seeing a, a, a hot rod like this. Oh, just quickly before we finish, the name of the colour. Uh, it's called Wango Mica Red. So my name's Wayne, obviously. Um, it's, a, it's a car, it's a colour that was originally a colour from the 80s called Tango Mica Red, which is a Ford colour. Um, the guy that sold me the paint, um, I wanted candy apple red. And he said, if you've never painted before, don't do it in candy apple red, do it in a two-pack. So he told me how to do that. And uh, we named it Wango Mica Red because obviously the Tango Mica Red and the Wayne, the Wango Mica Red. So that's the colour, and it's my colour. No one else can have it. <laughs> no, fair enough, Wayne. Hey, we really appreciate your time, and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right. Here with my second interviewee. Hey, Bruce, thanks for joining us down here at the Southwest Indoor Motor Show at the Georgiana Malloy Anglican School. Now, tell us, this is an absolutely beautiful... I mean, people that know me know that XYs and XWs, I have a soft spot for them, so I've got got one myself, but certainly not to this standard and uh, certainly doesn't have the racing credentials this thing has. Tell us a little bit about it, Bruce. Yeah, it's a 1971 XY GDHO Phase 3. Um, one of 300 built. This was actually 133rd off the production line. One of 16 in this colour and actually one of one with this colour trim and options combination. Uh, the car was sold brand new from Newford in uh, Lakemba to a um, Ron Waterford who owned Gypsy Carpets. He bought the car purely to race. He, he drag raced it himself a few times at Castle Ray, and then uh, his ultimate aim was to, to race at Bathurst, but he wasn't capable of that, so he, um, he handed that over to Trevor Meehan, who was a reasonably well-known race driver at that time. Trevor raced a couple of XWGTs. Uh, he raced a Yellow Glow Phase 3 in 71, and unfortunately tipped it on its roof, and... So that was the end of that. He was basically out of money and out of cars, so he thought he'd retired. And then uh, Ron offered him a drive in this car, which he gladly accepted, and he raced Sandown, Surface Paradise, Oran Park, Bathurst. So it's got a bit of racing history behind it. And uh, 
yeah, after it finished its racing duties, it, it was moved on and put in a car yard in, um, um, uh, who was it? Oh, it was in, in Parramatta Road yeah. in Sydney anyway. It was um, on the lot there and uh, actually a local bloke from Bridgetown happened to be in Sydney at the time and saw the car and said, that's going to be mine. Yeah. So he bought the car, loaded up his wife and young twin boys and drove her back across the paddock and <laughs> he said the thing had passed anything but a service station. Yeah. So that's how it finished up in WA and then once it arrived in WA it um, it was went to a couple of car lots in Perth and then was bought by a bloke who worked on the um, mine site at Shea Gap. Yeah, okay. So it was up in the, in the Pilbara out in the desert for yeah. about 10 years, had about six different owners out there. Then it uh, went to Port Hedland came back to Perth, it sat in a carport in Burragoon for two or three years where it was eventually stolen from there and was involved in a short police chase but fortunately the electrical system failed so they abandoned it before damaging it. Yeah. And then it moved on from there to um, another shed out at Byford where it sat there for another three or four years and apparently the folks used it as a as a bench to put all the empty beer cans and stuffies and, and stuff on it before it was uh, then bought by a uh, charter boat operator from Exmouth. Yeah, okay. uh, he took the car back to Exmouth and started restoring it. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately he passed away after an accident. And, uh, yeah, the car, we found the car and came up for sale and secured it. And, uh, yeah, put it all back to its race livery. My, uh, my oldest son tra- tracked down about a dozen different owners, contacted them all, spoke to all bar two and and the interesting thing was that not one of them knew its ex, ex-race car history. That's what I was just about to say, it's a lot of these cars and especially in, in particular this one as you've just told us, like this has got drag racing uh, credentials and also Bathurst yeah. 1000, I don't, th- oh, sorry it would have been 500 back in the day. Yeah. I don't think too many of them did did both. I know no. a lot of the guys. I know um, uh, Ormsby did a little bit yeah, of drag yeah. racing with his, yep. but I'm, I'm not I'm not sure that many of them did both. So I mean, their car is credentialed, and for you to retrace that history that you just did, that, that's incredible. I must it, say. Yeah, it was mainly my son. He's he spent 18 months, you know, in state records and chasing rego numbers, and and he was the one that looked at the car and and worked out that it was more than just an everyday driver. You know, there's a few telltale signs there that it had been around the track. So then he started doing the research and it took quite a while to find out which car it actually was but, um, because all the photos from back in the day were black and white, or most of the photos were black and white, so it was pretty hard to work out which car it was. Mm. And but do you think, because I've done a similar journey with mine, but I can only find the first owner for mine, so... But when you unveil, when you find an owner or you find some history about the car, it, it brings the car to life, doesn't it? Does. It? it does, definitely does. You know, to, to have had so many owners and to be able to contact them all is, is unreal. Um, you know, I've spoken to Trevor Meehan, the guy that drove it. He's actually 85 years of age now and, and sharp as a tack and he remembered the car and knew all about it, yeah. Well, he'd probably also know its nuances as well. Not that, you know, I mean, these things were pretty much, I guess, all the phase threes handled probably very similar, but it was probably something particular about this car that he probably recounts as well. Yeah, well, um, one thing he, he mentioned, they, uh, Ron Waterford that purchased the car ordered it 
as a race car. He wanted it the same as Moffat's race car. The first two meetings they did with the car had overheated. So he went to um, uh, Marsden from the Ford crew chief and said, what's wrong with this car? It's overheating. And, and uh, Howard said, phase threes don't overheat, mate. You know, there's a problem with it. He said, get me all the numbers and I'll, I'll look at it. So he gave them all the numbers and, and Howard Marsden said, oh, it's not... A QC car, it's not a quality control, basically a blueprinted engine in it. He said, that's your problem. So Ron, the owner, took it back to the dealer and said, this is not what I ordered, you know, I've got an order here for a race car. And they said, oh, that's no problem, we'll we'll just QC it for you. So he left the car there. Three months later, he went back to pick it up and they gave him a bill for (laughs) $16,000 and he paid $6,000 for the car. So it was off to his lawyer, and yeah, and, uh, yeah it was sorted. So they just said, come and pick your car up. Yeah. And so, yeah, it gives you a bit of an indication of, of what's actually involved in QCing the, yeah. the car for racing. Yeah. Incredible history of the, of the vehicle. And I, I can see here you've got on the, co- it's on the cover, made the cover of uh, Australian Muscle Car Magazine. Great magazine, that one, issue 112. So for those listening or watching, you grab your old edition of the Australian Muscle Car Magazine, issue number 112, and it's the car on the front cover there. It's a beautiful car. Um, and, I, Bruce, look, thanks for bringing it out here today and and letting the people see this car because, I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't know of this vehicle and, and its whereabouts here in Western Australia, so we really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. All right, Bruce. Well, look, thanks for joining us here, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for that. Good on you. Thank you. I'm here with Daniel and uh, looking at his magnificent XE Falcon. Pretty big, serious deal, this one. Tell us a little bit about it, Daniel. Um, well, she's a genuine Cleveland, so none of this mix between a Windsor and a Cleveland crap that all the um, girls run these days. Um, so no, I'm not afraid to hurt a real block. Um, she is fully Bradford, however. Um, stroke to 410 cubic inches, um, 671 on methanol, um, solid roller camshaft. Um, all the, everything you can think of for a Cleveland to stop them from basically exploding. Um, C4, um, high stall, 9 inch diff, the rest of it is like MSD grid system, um, EGTs, data logger, AFRs, all the stuff to have fun in it. Um, I've had it since I was bloody 20 years old. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, so it's had two, two rebuilds since then. Yep. She used to be gold before that, um, which was the original colour of the car. And then... Um, we at West Coast Nats 2017, I sort of um, damaged her, well, quite a lot. Um, decided to rebuild it again, and then we came out with this colour, same colour as my BF GT. And then we um, put hidden secrets in the car with 
gold pearl striping over the roof and down the sides. Now tell us a bit about that because it to the untrained eye, which is mine, <laughs> I didn't see it. But then when you told my co-host and he pointed it out to me, I can now I can now see it. So tell us a bit about that. So my brother-in-law painted the car and it originally was I wanted a quick blowover and he doesn't do things by halves. So he started painting the car for me and then I said to him, will vinyl stripes, cobra stripes wreck the paint? And he goes, I'll do you one better. And when I got the car back, he sent me photos of what he did and he basically put gold cobra stripes and silhouettes of a cobra in the clear. And on the right sunlight, you'll actually see them pop out. And you're right, no one can see them until I point them out and everybody starts leaning towards the side. They see them, they go, holy, where'd they come from? <laughs> It is an incredible feature of the vehicle, and I must say, I, I really like this car. It's 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 different and and it's subtle, but still, that that uh, combo up the front there really hits you in the face like a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah. Well, originally it was always NA, um, and then to compete seriously in the blown class, I needed to go blown. Um, I didn't want to put the blower on, and the torque that it made, I, was doing, I had more fun doing power skids and doing shows like this where you can drive around, go to power crews, go to Gazanats had more fun doing track and power work than I did doing burnout. So that's basically where the car's been playing like recently. Um, car was only finished in January, just before motivation. Um, so literally the Friday night of motivation, we're still putting the car back together. Um, and then blew the gearbox at motivation, so rushed to put a box in it to get it here today. You've done a magnificent job, so you'll be taking it out a little bit later for the cruise? Yes, definitely coming out the cruise next. I want that footage of a blown car through the bottle shop and through McDonald's. Daniel, magnificent car. Just tell us the inside. It's caged as well. Okay, so here's a cage, but it's one of the old school Bonds cages. Um, was, I found it on Gumtree and just put it in there just to make it feel, feel safer. Um, not Androtech, but one day I'll probably get there. Now, I put the original trim back in the car. I originally had no rear seats and I had it all sheeted up, but... What happened was people looked inside the car and it looked tatty and ratty. So I ended up just putting the interior back in. Haven't got a hood lining in it yet because the cage sits too high. Um, but a little bit by we'll get there. Um, still got full, full racing harnesses left and right. Mega shifter, um, MSD grid system and automatic gauges everywhere. Thing is, Daniel, it still looks very stock inside there, and that's what I like about it. Is you haven't the, the interior, like a lot of guys, as you said, like it looks ratty and tatty, and but you, it's brought back the factory feel of the vehicle, I must say. The actual look I was going for was pro street. I wanted to basically what a blown car on the street would look like with the safety features of a race car. So that's why the cage is in there, and that's why the, the seat belts are in there. I mean, at the same time, too, I haven't got a million bucks, so I can't make it look like an elite interior, but. You do with what you got. Yeah. It's funny you should say Pro Street. It's the second time that word's come out today. We were talking with Joe inside. Yeah. And, and like when I look at that car, and even this one as well, that's the first thing that comes in my head as well. You know, we grew up in the... Well, I was born in the 70s, but I grew up in the 80s, obviously. And we have good memories of that Pro Street scene. Exactly. And it's really good to see coming back uh, with builds like this. I, I really love it. Well, that's why I've gone like the rake look. Lowered front, raised back end. Back to how they were in the 70s, you know? I mean, some people go to the point where they take the trims off and they make the window flush with it. That's an elite show car. I want to be able to drive this car. And the reason I chose XC is because they're not a GT. So if I damage it, 
or technically it's only XC, but however, now they're going up in price. I was just about to say that, Daniel. I think you may have spoken too soon on that one there because yeah. the XC, doesn't matter what they are now, anything before sort of VA is, is really climbing in value now. Yes. So it's, uh, it's a magnificent car and you've done really well. And uh, look, uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. We look forward to seeing you at Dan Murphy's or McDonald's, wherever that may be. I'll be there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, I'm here with Dwayne down here at the Southwest Indoor Motor Show at Georgiana Malloy Anglican School. Hey, Dwayne, thanks for joining us on the podcast. I'm just standing in front of your immaculate HG Monaro. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, right. So it's a um, 1970 HG GDS, original uh, V8. Uh, I've had it probably 20 years, but uh, it was a wreck when I bought it. And uh, it's just a car that I've always wanted from when I was a kid and... Yeah, so it's been in the panel shop for seven years, and I only got it out yesterday, and it's turned up here today. So, so this is its debut, is that yes. correct? Yes. Yep. Wow. Yep. So it's not even quite finished yet, but it's you know it's that close. So yeah. So yes, never no one's seen the car before, and the thing that I'm really proud about, in fact, is it's regoed, other than with the blown motor. Uh, so I can't drive it on the street, but it's full rego, so it's got handbrake, it's got windscreen wipers. Everything works. So, yeah. tell us a bit about that power plant there. Magnuson. Oh, Magnuson. Sorry. Yeah, so, so we've put a uh, like a six liter in it, and a, and a six speed gearbox, um, and it's a fairly standard engine. Just a bit of headwork done, and uh, just with a small Magnuson nineteen hundred supercharger on it. But we overdrove it a fair bit, and um, on a really super soft tune, we got over five hundred at the treads. So it's it's got plenty in it, but. The car only weighs 1,400 kilos, so it doesn't need big horsepower. Common misconception about old cars, a lot of people think they're heavy. You know, it's actually yeah. the opposite. They're yeah. actually quite light. They make good builds, don't they? Oh, look, so that motor come out of a, a Maloo ute, and the Maloo ute weighs nearly two tonne. Yeah. And this car is uh, just under 1,400 kilos. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably equivalent, well, I don't know, what it'll be. It's, it's good horsepower. It is, it is. And I mean, in, an old car, in an old car, you can't put it on the ground anyway. So we've upgraded suspension and steering and brakes and stuff like that, but you're never going to put it down on the ground. So yeah. it's just there for, for a, a, something visually different. And some people love it and some will hate it being an LS, but it's my choice, my car. We've seen a lot worse, uh, Dwayne. I wouldn't be too stressed about that. I think I saw the other day a, a Barra in one of those, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, be, I yeah, wouldn't yeah, feel yeah. too worried about that. Yeah. Tell us the colour. You were talk- I heard you talking to someone else before, and you and you were right. Like through the camera lens, it's not the same as what you see in real life. So tell us this mix, the colour. Yeah, right. So I don't really know much about it. The guy standing behind you is the guy who painted it. So um, I just said to him, I just want it's a nineteen seventies car. I just want something bright and leery and out there. I'm a wheat farmer, so I don't know anything about paint, but I'm presuming that it must have. St- a colour, a red or something under it, but I don't really know. But you look at it with polarised glasses or through a camera and uh, it looks completely different to looking at it with a naked eye. So I don't really know. It's just bright. Yeah, yeah. And some of the fab work we're seeing at the front here, Like you, you did most of that yourself? No, I didn't. Uh, way beyond me. So, yeah, we had a, a fabricator in Perth. His name just escapes me at the moment, but he's managed to be able to fit a K&N air intake and he's fitted supercharger water tanks and water pumps all in the front there and the width of the radiator and 
you know, to the untrained eye, you probably wouldn't even notice it's there, and that's sort of the way I wanted it to be. I wanted it to look reasonably, you know, standard, and, and there's a lot of lot of work done under the bonnet here that you won't even pick, you know. I know you've smoothed out a lot of lines there, because I know, look, I mean, I, I don't have a hold in myself, but I've got the similar, I've got a 1970XW, and I can assure people, our listeners that there's a lot more lines and that you've smoothed out in that engine bay. Yeah, look, I mean, we could have gone a lot further with it, but at the end of the day, uh, I still want it to retain most of its image. But, um, yeah, we've, we've cleaned things up and filled in bits and pieces, and there's still a little bit to go in there, but it's, it's pretty close. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to be able to have a nice engine bay when you pull the bonnet, but when you shut it, it looks you know, like the original lines. You know, They built it right in the first place, so I can't see any point in changing it, really. Yeah, and the interior as well. I mean, that is absolutely magnificent, I must say. Yeah, okay, so the interior is all standard HG, but not standard to this car by the codes. This one's supposed to be all black, but I just really like the houndstooth, and um, and that's original HG houndstooth, so we just, we just everything got rebuilt, everything's brand new. Um, the people uh, that did the dash for me, they got um, brand new walnut suit HG, because HTs and HK are different again so um, yeah everything everything's HG not necessarily um, specific to this actual car but it, yeah it all matches and I just like it loud and leery. Mm, no definitely yeah well you've hit the, the mark there I love the rims as well good combination works well with the colour it's just a beautiful car overall so hey, Dwayne look thanks for joining us on the podcast I know your family are right behind there giving paying out on you so I'll let you get back to them anyway we really appreciate your time no I appreciate that appreciate the interest mate and yeah thanks very much for having us no worries Cheers, thanks Bye. all right I'm here with Mick Jury Mick thanks for joining us on the podcast um you're welcome you you look Clinton has spoken very highly of you um, I remember you from back in the day down at uh, um, the Motorplex. Banana, yep, yep. Long time ago. But tell us a bit, firstly, tell us a bit about your car first. Uh, so, very quick rundown on the ute. She started as a farm ute, um, turned up with a 253 in it, uh, just used it around the farm. I wore it out, so I put a 308 in it and I wore that out. And then uh, my wife wanted to sell the V8 Commodore that we had and buy a Rodeo, and I thought, well, that's just not kosher, I'll need compensation. So I bought a stock standard 454 big block Chev off of, a, off of a mate and put it in and I'd never had so much fun in my life and, and then uh, I got uh, talked into going down to the Collie Drags and just having a run and then you're hooked um, as you know and it just evolved from there. I remember this car quite well actually, you campaigned it in Super Sedan for a number of years, tell us a bit about that. Uh, Super Sedan was just an awesome division. Um, we managed to naturally aspirated. We, we run the motor there. It was 750 horsepower, and we managed to run a 970, 141 mile an hour, I think. Um, but the thing I loved about it was that it was just there was so much old school muscle uh, cars in it. They weren't just all generic, you know, pro stock looking cars. And it was just such a diverse field. And and I know that I was racing in it, but my thoughts were that it was the favourite division uh, by spectators because they just get to see all these great cars, all the all the old old school muscle cars, Ford Holden, whatever, um, racing one another. So we we raced from um, it was about 2001 to 2008, and um, I got a true nine second car out of it with the combo that was in it, which I was happy with, but. I was getting older and I just wasn't happy with uh, sitting fully suited up for an hour in a staging lane with sweat dripping down my face to run a nine-second pass. 
um, but uh, now we've got other avenues to enjoy the vehicle. Certainly have, and uh, you spoke about that a bit before when we spoke off air. The ba- rear end of this car, tell us, uh, uh, Jeff Black and his team have been involved yep. in a bit of work there? Yep, so Jeff Black and Lauren are responsible for that. The, the, like I said, the car was never built initially as a race car. It was just a street car that got out of control, so the rear end was all standard chassis, and um, we, we did put a, a ladder bar link in it, but, you know, standard size diff, and the wheels are poking out the guard, and it was looking untidy, and decided I was going to do something nice with it so we cut it off at the back and said to Blackie and Lauren mean angry and tough are the requirements don't cover up all your beautiful fab work that you're going to do Um, I just need some tubs and somewhere to put a beer down and uh, that's what they came up with and yeah I'm over the moon I've not seen another one anything like it and that was sort of what I said to them I said I don't want a one tonner with a flat tray with tubs in it I said I want something looking different and yeah, Blackie and Lauren. Well, Lauren did nearly all the work under Blackie's um, uh, overseeing, and yeah, absolutely fantastic job. And it made you know I've not raced the Ute since we've done that. We drive at events, but it go to woes and that that we can um, play around with. But it just goes straight and goes hard. I must be honest, I haven't seen the car since the, uh, the I keep saying Ravens, the Motorplex days, the early Motorplex days. So when I saw you filling up over there before, I was quite surprised, and I thought, oh, geez, that's, that has changed significantly. The um, well, she donned a supercharger in donned a supercharger in 2012. Just uh, long story short, when I was 12 years old, I went to the Corrigan Tractor Pools and I seen the Quamby Quaker from Quamtook in New South Wales, and it was a blown 454. And I said to myself, "Self, you're going to have a blown big block one day." And 30 years later, it came to fruition. And um, but we've not raced it uh, with that on it. But I just, you know, there's nothing better than a blown big block. And the rear end work, I know people say, oh, you spend all this money on it and you don't race it. And I'm going, you know what, I, I had my fun racing. I achieved what I wanted to achieve, but I, I just love cruising this thing and, and letting people see it. Yeah, certainly. And it's a beautiful car. Tell us, you've been fairly involved in getting today up and running. Tell us a little bit about that. I know Clint, Clint uh, is the main man here, but uh, he speaks very highly of you. So tell us a little bit about your involvement as well. Clint is so passionate about cars and car shows and you know showing off all this stuff uh, to the general public out there that don't get to see it. Um, I'm going to be here. I'm 350 k's away, mate. I'm, when he says yeah, it's happening, I'm here. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and I, I, I've gotten the word out to, to plenty of other guys, and I've managed to get guys to come along. But you know, Clint's busting his. Everybody's um, you know doing their best to to try and get people here, but. Um, Unfortunately, it's just not supported in the degree that uh, that Clint would like, and it's unfortunate because it is, you know, there's nowhere else in Australia where you can drive a car like this, um, unlimited around town. Someone at they put us in Exhibition Park, and every time you crack the throttle, you get growled at by the security staff. Red Centre and Nats they put you on a cruise route, which is great, but a little bit restrictive. I, I can't really understand why people don't take up Clint's offer. It, it, there is nowhere else in Australia um, where something like this is offered. That's right, I mean and you, we've been talking about it for a while on the podcast leading up with Clint in the last you know month uh, promoting it and I don't, yeah, it's, it is amazing that we can have these cars out here and hats off to the local community as well and the local police and the shires that are all involved in allowing this to happen and you're going to see some video footage of these cars on the road shortly and, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a huge, huge effort getting this all together, and I think you guys have done, uh, have done really well. Excellent. Yep, no, you'll, uh, you'll see us here every time. And I, I do my best even at home. We've got, 
a bunch of muscle cars around home and, and if you don't organise something they sit in the in the shed so I try and organise a decent run at least two or three times a year we'll take eight to ten muscle cars for a trip down to Albany or a trip down to Bremer Bay you just get them out on the road so people can appreciate them and, yeah. and that's what today is all about as well yeah yeah, most certainly. Hey, Mick, look, thanks for your time on the podcast. Really enjoyed you coming on. And, um, yeah, we appreciate your time you've given up today. And not only just in the, the doing the interview, but also bringing the car along. I know it's a big effort for you. You've got support vehicle here as well. You've got, uh, I look like 200 litres of methanol. 400 litres. 400 litres <laughs> of methanol <laughs> on the back of that Land Cruiser over there. So you've done, done really well. We really appreciate your time. We chuck people on uh, board and take them for a run. There's not a lot of people get a chance to go for a ride in a blown big block uh, ute. We've still got to abide by the rules out on the road, but, uh, you know, um, I've been... People that are willing will chuck 50 bucks straight towards the, the charity that all goes to Clint's charity, and I'll take as many people as I can. I've still got a list as long as my arm that I'm trying to get through, but nobody enjoys driving this ute more than me, so I'll, I'll be out there rain, hail or shine. No, that's great. And that's great. It all goes to charity as well. Hey, Mick, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Alright, I'm down here at the Southwest Indoor Motor Show and I'm here with Storm from um, Bindu Mobile Recovery Campaign. Tell us briefly a little bit about yourself and, and what you actually do here. You're here with Debbie, we're down here in Bustleton today, so tell us about what, what you're here for and what, what you're doing. Well, um, for me, it's, it's a bit of a long story. Um, basically, I was abused as a kid. Um, through that abuse, I ended up with um, chronic depression, uh, anxiety, and I was just full of fear. Um, at school, you know, I was just terrified of girls. Um, I felt um, separated from everybody, lonely, um, cut off. I just felt that I was different. Um, also, in amongst that depression that I had, what I didn't know was that I had the disease of alcoholism. So I was basically an alcoholic that had smouldering ashes in his guts and just waiting for the first beer to, to go on top of that and then there would have just been an explosion, which happened in my teenage years. So I drank alcohol, which is a depressant, on top of depression. Um, it gave me a feeling of euphoria. I used to work hard, play hard and drink hard. And when I drank, it gave me what I considered back then some peace of mind. It stopped my mind from racing. My mind was 10,000 miles an hour. Um, I knew there was something wrong with me. I didn't know what it was. It was alcoholism and depression. So it's taken me my lifetime to um, sort through it all. Cut a long story short, um, I ended up in Alcoholics Anonymous at age 32. I had a gun and there's three guys I wanted to shoot, which is resentment. Resentment's the number one killer of alcoholics. Um, I had peripheral neuritis, I was in the horrors, I had delirium tremors, had a memory span of two seconds. And I used to look at my beer, I'd give myself paralysis or analysis and trying to work out what was wrong with me and I'd be looking at it. it was, you know, I just couldn't see it. Um, 
a bloke stepped into my life. He could see I was in trouble and he carried the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to me, which saved my life. And that night, the guy took me to my first meeting um, in South Perth, August the 20th, 1984. So I've been sober since that very first meeting. I walked into that meeting in that state and left that room that night and haven't had a drink since, and that's about 37 years now. So I've run an AA meeting. I carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous to alcoholics um, with my campaign here. We deal with alcoholism, drug addiction. I've got quite a few guys into uh, Tenacious House, which is a, is a, a rehab for young fellas that are on uh, methamphetamine. So we're on the street here. Um, dealing with uh, depression, suicide, um, drugs, and uh, we're in a LinkedIn with dads in distress, guys that have been smashed in the family law court. So we've got a ton of information here um, to help these guys and to get them in the right direction because most of them are lost, so they don't know where to start. So we give them a kickstart. That's what I was about to say. Like For those that are listening to us on the radio or on, on the podcast, you can go back and watch this on YouTube. But... One of the things that I know you've been doing this a long time now because I see you out on the streets in Bindoon. I drive past you all the time. You probably don't know you don't you don't know me or you would have spoken with that many people. But I know you you really do campaign out in the streets there and you've got quite a setup. Tell us a bit about this setup now because you you've built on it. You've got some pretty, you know, elaborate vehicles here and and the information you carry around. Tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, well, um, basically, uh, when I kicked off, um, the thoughts were put in, in my head from up there. Um, you know, I, I believe in um, a higher power, and um, he said, this is what I want you to do, and originally, I had the green car over there, which is a, um, a really nice Commodore uh, V8, and he put the thoughts in my head that he wanted me to put that, that down, the, down the side of them, yeah. and I just... I looked up and I remember saying, mate, you've got to be kidding. I said, that's me Commodore. I said, that's going to ruin it, you know. Well, this is like a world first um, to put about suicide in your face. Um, so I just went ahead and uh, did it. Fixed up a little old trailer I had. Um, it was half as big as these ones. And I drove down the street and I parked in a car park. And within 10 minutes, I was swamped with people looking for help. And it's, since then, it's just got bigger and bigger. Um, this, the, the world is full of hurting people and people are, are looking for the truth. They're looking for a way up and a way out. And with this here, I deal with the spiritual aspect, the mental aspect and the physical aspect of um, depression. But just getting with the cars, so we got that car there and we had a, had a little trailer and then, um, and then I helped the lady out of the black hole of suicide. She was so grateful that she donated $20,000 to me. So we put that in the BMRC bank account. And then we accessed a, a um, in uh, Allenbrook there, we accessed a, um, a, a funding grant that was going. Um, and they said that if someone had 20 grand, that they would match it. And we, we had 20 grand, so we got the grant, and that bought the second car. And I'd already had the second trailer built, so we had so now we've got two cars and two trailers on the street. And I got another guy that operates the other one, yeah. so one can go an event that way, and one can go, uh, go that way. So, yeah, so it's about um, I'm at the coal face with this, um, you know, I'm dealing with the hard shots that come my way, but 
if anyone comes up to me that's suicidal, I can handle it because I've lived it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that, that green car there, after my second marriage failed, um, at age 60, I still didn't know that I had depression. Mm. At age 60, I fought it all my life, like the black dog sitting in the cage there. That mongrel was attacking me between the left ear and the right ear all my life, trying to tear me to bits to stop me from doing this. I can see it now and I understand it now, but at the time I couldn't. Well, I couldn't understand why everything was stripped away from me. I worked hard, I tried to do the right thing and I just got gutted. And then my depression, which I didn't know that I had, turned into suicide and I went over the edge and down in the black hole of suicide. It's a real place and I could be sitting here and I was in that place and there was no one there there with me and everything was black. Um, and I, I was suicidal for five months. So we've had it going about seven or eight years now and I've, I've lost count of the amount of people that we've turned around, got them into drug rehabs, Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm heading back into um, uh, Bullsbrook on, on Sunday tomorrow. Um, I'm picking up an alcoholic that came to my house four nights ago. His wife just threw him out. He did the questionnaire. He's definitely he got 11 out of 12 uh, yeses, so I'm picking him up, taking him to an AA meeting in Midland Sunday night. I'm also meeting another lady there that was in a rehab two weeks ago in hospital, um, so she must have been really hitting the piss hard. We're going to meet her there as well, so, so that's what I do. I talk to them, um, share my story, my experience, my strength and my hope with these people that are hurting. Um, the back window of that car over there, you can see all the names on the back of it. There's three to four hundred names on there, and mm. they're all suicides. Yeah, yeah. And that's where the mum and dad have stood here, like you're talking to me now, and they've told me of their son or their daughter. So we deem the windows on the back of these cars like a bit of a shrine and a mark of respect to these yeah. really beautiful people. And they are. They're usually gentle souls. Then this world just dials in stuff they can't cope with, yeah. you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff in our society. Our society has a lot to answer for. Mm, has yeah. a bloody lot to answer for. Storn and Debbie, look, I must say, the job that you guys are doing out there on the streets of uh, regional Western Australia is a magnificent one. And I take my hat off to you. And I just look, you know, wish you all the very best for the future. And the work that you're doing is really uh, commendable. And uh, look, Bindoon Mobile Recovery Campaign, yeah. where can they find information about that on, online? Yeah, um, Debbie, Facebook. Facebook page. Yeah, just go onto Facebook or, or just click in. One lady, um, she was trying to get, get hold of me about three weeks ago. Um, she didn't know how to get hold of me, and I was driving down the highway, and she saw the car, right? We were in Ballsbrook, so she just dialed in suicide car, a Ballsbrook, and BMRC came up, yeah. and then she was able to give us a ring about her son, yeah. and we had a chat to her, yeah, so... So Facebook is, is the way to go. Um, yeah, we'll just dial in Bindoon Mobile Recovery Campaign mm -hmm. or just even Suicide Car and yeah. it'll, it'll bring, the, bring our phone numbers and stuff up. So, yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, look, thanks for your time on the podcast and on 88.5 FM today. We really appreciate it. And I'm sure Debbie... Uh, sorry, I'm sure Peter will be catching up with you shortly as well to have a, a, a much more lengthier discussion anyway. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.